appears in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, <coughs> verse 3 through 5. It's a tremendous truth. A truth that I think God will seek each one of us to hear this morning. This is what he says. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? God in his word said this, hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, again for the wonderful privilege and the honor that we have to be in your house today. It truly is a privilege to be here today, God. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person that you have sent our way this morning. Thank you, God, for waking us up today and giving us the breath of life. Thank you, Lord, for, again, just a privilege being able to be in your presence. We ask today, God, that you would just bless us, grace us with more of your presence. Open our ears and our minds and our hearts, Lord, to be able to hear your word and understand your word. And not only understand it, but understand it in such a way that it would challenge our lives to be better, stronger witnesses for you and to ensure that we make heaven our homes. Father, once again, we love you. Thank you so much. God, we just ask that everything that's done and everything that's said here today would be pleasing to you. For it's in your son, Is that right? A lot of us do. 
We just dread it, right? All the things that kind of come our way. But we're intended to enjoy this life, and for sure, God's given us life everlasting, right? After this life. But it's just life. So none of us are beyond reproach. None of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. All of us, right, are still trying to get to the end of the race. It's the way it is. In my several years of, of ministry, I was called to preach when I was 30 years old. I don't know why I so late in life. I guess, I guess God had to get me straightened out. There's a lot of stuff in my life to get straightened out. But from the time that I started preaching at 30 years old until now, which has only been two years, <laughs> and then some, this is one of the things that I've seen a lot. I mean, I've seen this story in John's Gospel. Chapter 8, Brother Ron, lived out um, a bunch of times. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen it. I've seen where people, I think people mean well to begin with, but then it becomes a passion of theirs, right, that I'm going to straighten you out. You ever heard anybody say that? About you? We need to get you straightened out. Um, I've seen that to the point that it gets really ugly, seen to the point where People no longer come back to church. And I've seen church members say, we fixed that situation. When in reality, they didn't fix the situation. They made it worse. And not only did they make it worse for the church, but they made it worse for themselves because God will require that blood on their hands, according to Scripture. It's important, they don't get me wrong, we are a brother's keeper. We are supposed to look out for those, right, that uh, we love when they make a mistake. Right, or the sin, we call it mistakes, but the sin. We're supposed to make sure that we help them, right, and, and encourage them and, and uplift them and make sure that they get past that situation in their lives. Make sure they get it under the blood. That's true. <coughs> but we also got to be careful that we don't become God. Amen? And that we don't want to become, you know, judge and jury. But we got to make sure that we're doing everything for the right reason. See, the Bible declares that love covers the multitudes of sin. Love does. Is that right? My mother always told me you'd get more out of a pound of sugar than you will a pound of anything that you want to name as sour. Right? She would use different things. That's true. Love covers a multitude of sins. And if you love somebody, you're going to tell them. You're going to help them, right? But it's going to be done in the right way. I think that's important for us today. But all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I read to you in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, Verse 3 through 5, an important truth that we don't talk about an awful lot, right? We get excited when we start talking about getting sent out of the camp, but we really don't get excited when we start talking about getting sent out of our own camp, amen? Now, I want to talk about your sins, but I don't want you to talk about my sins, right? In fact, I think most people that talk the loudest in church have probably greater sin than the person that they're talking to, which is why they're talking louder so nobody can see their sin. Come on now. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? It's true. Y'all must not have been in some of the churches I've been in. Or maybe you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. Right? But here, Jesus, God, in his word here, tells us that it's important for us to get the beam out of our own eyes before we get the speck out of our brother's eye. Very vivid picture that God paints for you and I. Right? We've got this big old beam. Now, Beam, to me, is something big, right? Like 8 by 8 by 16 feet long, a beam, if you can imagine a beam. In my eye, and I'm worried about getting that little speck of dust out of your eye. Is that right? Well, here's the problem. I can't see the speck in your eye because i got this beam in my eye. Right? I mean, not the beam that's got a problem. But, right? But you see what I'm saying. We're always trying to look around the, the beam that's in our eye, and we're more concerned about you than we are ourselves. Here's what I've learned. It's tough enough for Mark to get Mark to heaven. It's, that's tough enough. Much less to be worried about Parker, right? And the situations you got going on your life, I shouldn't be concerned about you. I should. But I need to make sure things are all right with Mark before I can ever go do something with Damien or Parker. Y'all with me? In fact, I think it'd be better for us to sweep out from underneath our own rug before we sweep out underneath somebody else's rug. <laughs> Right? We've got to get ourselves right first. 
Get this temple right before we go clean somebody else's temple. All right? I can tell you this. Every time that I find myself looking at somebody else's situation, I'm always reminded about my own. Y'all ever been to church and you pull up underneath the carport right there and you see Sister Bertha better than you? And she weighs 400 pounds. And she's talking about brother such and such that just got out of the car with his biscuit in his hand and weighs 200. How much he needs to lose weight because he's got heart problems. You see what I'm saying? Or for instance, brother such and such is standing over here Right, and he's, he's, he's reaching for his cigarettes that's in the car, but he had to move all the Budweiser cans out of the way first to get to the cigarette pack from last night. But he's going to walk back over to the portico there, and he's going to talk bad about old such and such right there. Right, that uh, word on the street is uh, she's sleeping around with him. Right, but now you just, you just had to get the Budweiser cans out of the way to keep your cigarettes. Is that not right? You can hear that just about any church you want to go to around the world. Unfortunately, you're going to hear somebody say something about this person that's coming up or this person that's over here when all the while they got stuff on their own life. Usually the people they're talking to is looking at them like, what? Was that not you with me last night at the club? Is that right? Y'all with me today? So here God says, let's get the beam out of your own eye before you get the, the, the speck out of your brother's eye. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 1, is, is again a powerful story here. We're going to talk about it here for just a few minutes. But let me read it to you, and then we'll dive right in here. How many of y'all, be honest, how many of y'all just said, gosh, I wish such and such was here. They need to hear this. <laughs> Don't lie. I'm sure somebody did. I used to do that all the time. Here's what it said. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, which is literally um, from here to Highway 25 out there, away from the, the gates that go to the city of David. Keith, Brother Keith and I have been there. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Understand, Jesus came to church here, right? He came into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes, the Pharisees, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, very act. And when they had set her in the midst, in verse 4, they said unto him, Master, you've heard me say what this means, teacher. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now I'm going to stop right there for just a second. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act, they said. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? How do you know she was caught in the very act? Unless you was there. Come on now. This is the same story I'm telling you about up front of the portico out front. Happening right here. Right? Church is about to happen in here. Jesus is in there teaching people. And here come these folks talking about somebody else. She was caught in the very act of adultery. Now I've got to know Jesus had to be thinking to himself, are y'all really going to do this right now? Did y'all hear what y'all said? Y'all just told me she was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, you're going to bring her here to me. Now Moses in the law, they said, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now I'm going to stop one more time here. It's important for us, before we point out somebody else's sins, to make sure that we understand what the Bible says about sin. Amen? Understand the word. This is why the Bible tells us to study to show ourselves approved and workmen that need not be ashamed. Rightly divide and understand the word. Know it for yourself that it helps you, right? But that you can also help somebody else. But what we have right here is a gross misrepresentation of the word of God. Here's why. Under the same law that they were just talking to Jesus about, the Mosaic law, the Old Testament writings, not only was the woman supposed to be stoned, but so was the dude. Where was he at? You with me? Quite possibly could have been one of them. They called her in the very act, did they not? But nonetheless, this is a misrepresentation of the word. People in church will misrepresent the word in order to prove their point. Amen. Amen? About somebody else. In order to get their point across, they'll misrepresent the word. And what, what you have is a lot of times people that don't know the word of God completely... And so they respond and act based on what they're told. 
rather than what they know. And, and first of all, right, we, we should be loving this person, right, talking to them about the situation, and making sure that their hearts are out of the Lord. These folks were not concerned about this woman at all. They were using her as a pawn to bring down Jesus. And that's what happens a lot of times. In our efforts to clean up the church, we don't care about the person. Everybody's expendable. We just want our point brought across so somebody can say, you were right. But are you truly right if the person never gives their heart back to God ever again? And they find themselves in the devil's hell one day. But you were right. right. I was right. And I got it straightened out. And now everything's okay. It's far from okay. Right? Far from okay. But they said, under the law of Moses, it teaches us that she should be stoned. Now what do you say? This they said, tempting him in verse 6, that they might have, to, to have a reason to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger, fell on the ground as though he heard them not. And there's all kinds of uh, theologians that have spent a lot of time trying to figure out what Jesus wrote. Uh, I don't necessarily know that it was as important what he wrote as it was his actions here. We'll talk about it in a minute. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. It doesn't say, He was without sin, cast the first stone. It said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Whichever one of you who is without sin, you come up here and cast the first stone. The first stone is always the hardest one to cast. Did you know that? Think about that. If you were going to be an executioner, you were part of an execution back in this day, and you were going to stone this woman, the first person to cast a stone would be the toughest one. Right? Because you're going to hit this lady for the very first time, this person for the very first time, and inflict this kind of damage on them, and you're going to see it immediately. Now, when everybody else starts casting, right, it all becomes, gets lost in the shuffle, but the first one is the most difficult. Why is that? Because that's personal. And Jesus said, if you have not sinned, you come on up here and cast the first stone. That's what he said to them. Could you imagine what they were thinking at this point? They thought they had him. And again, it said, after he said this in verse 8, that he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Again. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went one by one, beginning with the eldest one, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. You see, as soon as Jesus said this, the person that had been serving God the longest, the eldest, went first and left. And then everybody else followed suit. He should have known better. Is that right? He should have known better. He'd been serving the Lord a long time. How many of us have been serving God for a long time should know that? Amen? Amen? It's all about seeing people saved. Don't forget while we're here. The Bible says that Jesus came to save that which was lost. He did not come into the world to condemn the world according to John chapter 3 and verse 17, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn. He said you're condemned already if you don't believe. He came that we might be saved. And so if we are children of God, our job is to do what? Lead people to Christ to be what? Saved. Right. Is that right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to be cannibals. We're supposed to be helping preserve life. Is that right? There's a place in the Bible that Jesus said to his apostles, watch and pray lest you fall into this same what? Temptation. We need to be careful because we're still in this life too. And even though we think we're holier than thou, even though we think we might have a right, even though we think because we hold a position in the church, even though we might feel like, right, that I've got everything figured out, and when I walk up, the cherubims and the angels begin to sing, and I'm so clean, I squeak when I walk. The reality is, the Bible says, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. You know the people he's after the most? You. Amen? Me. 
Anybody that claims to be a child of God, that's who he's after. Amen. He's after you. And I'm going to tell you this to be sure, 100%. If you're going to stand up and you want to become judge, he's coming to your house. Amen? If you want to put yourself up on that pedestal and say, I'm in charge, I'm going to fix this, I got it, I'm judge and jury, he'll be there. Amen? You're who he's looking at because he wants to bring you down because everybody else in the church thinks that you have a right. Y'all with me? Yeah. And it's tight in here. What do you say, Pastor? If it's tight, it's right. <laughs> Are you Pastor got that going on? It must be tight. But this is what God's laid on my heart. I don't know why, but I'm just putting it out here, right? But this is what happens. It, it is so true, right? In our, in our haste to clean the fish before we catch them, Right? That's not our job to clean the fish. That's God's job to clean the fish. He did not say, I'm going to call you to Peter, James, and John the first time he called them, Brother Ron. If you remember correctly, he did not say to them, I call, I'm calling you to be cleaners of fish, cleaners of men. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't say, I'm calling you, I'm going to make you cleaners of men. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Is that right? Meaning it's our job to bake the hook. It's our job to cast the seed, and it's our job to set the hook, and it's our job to reel them in here, but it's up to God to clean them. Amen? You with me? Now, he may choose to use Sister Lynn in that cleaning process. He may choose to use myself. He may choose to use anybody. But we've got to be careful that we're doing what we're doing out of love and not out of pride. Amen? Everybody with me? So he said that these began to leave one by one. And the only person standing in the end was this woman. With this woman was who? Jesus. Now I want to say to you today, some of you in here probably have been under a good bit of conviction, and that's a good thing. Look at your neighbor and say, if you've been convicted, that's a good thing. Because if you're feeling conviction, that means God's not done with you. Right? He loves you and he's trying to clean the fish. But here's what I want to say to you. You may feel like you're overwhelmed, and you may feel like everybody's against you, but in the end, I promise you, the only one that matters is the one that's standing with you right now. That's Jesus. When it's all said and done, the only one that's going to matter is King Jesus. When it's all said and done, he's the only one that's going to be standing there with you. It's the only one that matters. It don't matter about all these chirping words that are going on around you. Jesus. Get yourself in a place where you can hear Jesus and do what Jesus says do. Because all of us got opinions on how we think you ought to do it, what you should do. But ultimately, it only matters what thus says the Lord. Amen? Y'all with me? After all these men that were standing there all puffed up and all prideful, making a show in front of the whole church there that day, right? When all that was said and done, when all the smoke cleared, there wasn't but one man standing with them. Jesus. He's the same one that's going to stand beside me and you before his father. And all that matters is, did you know him? Amen? Did you know him? Sin is, and again, I'm going to say this again. I'm not telling you that you should allow sin in your life. I'm telling you, get it right with God. But what I am saying is, if you are here today and you're a child of God, your heart should be to help people make sure their lives are right. And do it in the right way. This is what Jesus is dealing with here. I saw this firsthand one time. And I'm not going to call any names. I was in a church service. I was young in the Lord. We had a business meeting. Some of y'all have been in church with me for quite some time and heard this in the message. But just bear with me a minute because it's relevant to what we're talking about. I was sitting about, let me see here, about over here on this side of the church, if you will, at that time. And I was sitting about where uh, Sister Tanya's at. I was sitting there and there was a couple of people sitting in front of me. And the pastor was carrying on the business meeting. And they had a time in that business meeting where they would uh, open the floor up to any new business. And I had been watching these two fellows the whole time. They weren't listening to anything the pastor was saying. I mean, that would have been the time for him to say, hey, we're going to spend $100,000 on this, this, and this. And, and said, everybody for it, raise your hand. They raised their hand. They didn't have a clue what he was saying. They were focused on what they were talking about. And I remember thinking to myself, what were these guys talking about? I mean, they were the whole time, you know. It, was, it wasn't but just a few minutes after he opened the floor for new business until I realized what they were what the deal was. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly what I heard. 
The pastor said, is there any new business? And one of the brothers stood up and he said, I got some new business. And the pastor said, okay, what is it, brother? He said, well, I make a motion that we turn out this fellowship, these people. And he began to name about six or seven people in an open church service. Okay? Now listen to me clearly. I know there are some people in here today that would say, well, the Bible does teach us that if somebody doesn't listen to you, that you take somebody with you when you go and talk to them. And that is right, and I've done that. The Bible also says that if they don't listen, you bring them before the church and you deal with them, you take them out. And that is true. And I've been close to that situation, never have to do that. But understand that that is in a pastoral sense. Amen? That you've got to make sure that you're in touch with God. It should be the absolute last thing you do is turn somebody to this fellowship, somebody from church. It's devastating to them. Well, at least you got sin out of the way. Right? Now, I'm not saying that's not true because it's biblical. But it's in a pastoral sense. Amen? Pastoral sense. You could hurt a pin drop in the room just like you can today. This brother sat down. And the guy that was beside him, both of them sat up with their chest poked out. One of them looked at the other one. You could see the gleaming eyes. They, had, they finally got this done that they wanted to get done. They had been talking about this for quite some time. They were going to fix the church. The pastor wasn't doing it fast enough. Can I get a witness? <laughs> pastor wasn't doing it fast enough. We're going to take matters in our own hands. And so I thought to myself, oh boy. <laughs> Again, I'm dealing with the Lord now, so I'm wanting to leave. I'm wanting to find the door. I'm thinking, somebody fixing a fist fight right here in a minute. <laughs> Especially if the people's relatives are in here. This is being get ugly. But fortunately, I had a very good pastor, a good friend of mine, who had been educated in this many times. What his first rodeo. Just like it wasn't Jesus's. And this man. Stood up there as pastor did, and I thought, how's he going to get out of this? And I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, brother, such and such, I'm going to call his name. He said, I understand your motion, but before we ask for before we approve that motion and ask for a second, he said, I have a question for you, and he named the other fellow sitting there. He was smart enough to figure out what was going on. He said these words. He said, brother, such and such, have you been to visit either one of these people? And he just looked at him, and he waited, and the other guy looked at the other guy. And then he asked the other guy, he said, have you been to see any of these people? And he wasn't going to move on until he heard them say and give them an answer. And they said, no. He said, well, don't you think we ought to go visit them before we cast them out of the church? Maybe they're not here because they're dead. And we're going to dishonor their name just because they haven't been here. He said, maybe they're dead. He said, maybe somebody heard them. It doesn't mean that they're not saved. It just means somebody heard them, and maybe they're going somewhere else. Right? Or maybe, you know, he started naming some things. Maybe. I was sitting there thinking, uh, hmm. You know, I was sitting there thinking, boy, I didn't think he was going to get out of that. And he said, don't you think it'd be best if we did that first? And those two fellas never said a word. And so he took matters in his own hands and said, I, I'm going to table this, and we'll talk about this later. And he moved on. Never disfellowship them out of the church that day. Point being, right, it wasn't about the people's souls, it was about their pride. If it's about the person's soul, don't get me wrong, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm glad this is being recorded. I'm saying, I'm not telling us that we should be, that we should, uh, that we should take on any sin and glorify any sin. I'm not, <coughs> I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with it. If God's laid on your heart to deal with it, make sure it's God. But I'm telling you, make sure that what you're doing is out of love and effort to restore such a one. So, he was the only one left. And in verse 10, the Bible says, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, this is what he said to her, Where are those thine accusers? Where are those guys that accused you? And then he said, Has, Hath no man condemned thee? Where are they at? And she said, well, Lord, she looked around. And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus in verse 11 said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. 
go and sin no more. Now again, he wasn't tolerating the sin. He just said, now don't go, he forgave me. He said, now don't go do it again, which is the right answer. Just don't go do it again. Get away from it. Get your life right. So again, if you're here today and you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm sure glad he's getting them people because they're really getting on me. Well, that's your turn now. Amen? If you know you're sinning, get away from it. The Bible says if you know to do good and do it to not, to him it's a sin. And no sin shall enter into heaven. Right? God does not tolerate sin. He forgives sin, but he requires us to not do it again. Is that right? So Jesus said, I don't condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again, and he said this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light, have the light of life. Amen? This is what Jesus said in this story. Compelling story, is it not? I've read this before, too, that one of the reasons, quite possibly, that Jesus wrote in the dirt or in the, in the floor of the temple at that time was that if you brought somebody to the high priest that they were sin in their life, he would hear that and he would pass judgment, if you will, upon that situation and he would write in on the floor of the, of the temple there, or of the, of the church building, if you will, the tabernacle, he would write there on that floor, right, what was to be done. I've heard that before too. Now, whether or not that's true or not, I'm not sure. There's all kinds of reasons why we think Jesus possibly did that. Some people said that he wrote their sins down. I have no idea of knowing. I just know this, that Jesus knows all things. Amen. 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 And he knew them men's heart. And the fact that Jesus looked away from them and put his head down, I got to believe it had to be in a little bit of disgust, a little bit of disappointment. And then he had to look back at them and say, well, you've got some things too we need to talk about. But every one of those men walked out. She's the only one to stay. Amen? She's the only one to stay. Doesn't appear that she was trying to deny her sin. She stayed. Everybody else left. And he said, if, you, if any of you have not sinned, or there's a sin in your life, you cast the first stone. Interesting here that none of them stayed. So they must have had some sin in their life. Amen? But they walked away from Jesus. There's three things I want to get into here, but I want to say this. I think there's an awful lot of church members and church goers that's got some sin in their lives and know they need to deal with it, but they'd rather deal with somebody else's sins, as I said to you earlier. Rather than going to Jesus, they walk away and go to wherever they want to go. But this woman here is the only one that's appeared to do the right thing. She had no other place to go. Everybody else condemned her. He's the only one that didn't condemn her. I'm telling you here today, there's going to be a lot of people in your life, if you're sitting here and you're not saved or you've got some sin in your life, there's going to be an awful lot of people that want to condemn you. There's going to be a lot of people telling you what you should and should not do. There's going to be a lot of folks talking bad about you, whispering about you, putting on social media. That's a big thing today, right? Put on social media, whatever it may be. But again, Jesus is the only one that matters. Just stick with him. Stay with him. Go to him. Right? People can't help you. Only Jesus can help you. We can, give you, we can give you advice, we can give you scriptural advice, which is what we should do, but only Jesus can take care of the sin that's in your life. Only he can do that. So there was a total disregard and misrepresentation of the word here and a total disregard for this woman's well-being. Sad. So what can we take away from this story? I've talked about a little bit of it, but it's important for us to know the scriptures, and as I said to you, to rightly divide them, right, that we understand, that we know, so we can live our lives properly but that we can also help somebody else. That's very important. I mean, this is, this is Christian 101, right? Our job is to help people, love them, and lead them to Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's important to understand Scripture and know that. Let me warn you today, don't just pull one passage of Scripture out or pull one passage of Scripture out here, but if you're going to talk about a situation, understand what you're talking about fully. Fully. Don't just use that one passage and say, see, the Bible said. Because you might run up against somebody that is not living for the Lord but knows the Bible better than you do. And they may say to you, yes, but it also says this. Right? I've seen that happen. So make sure you're prepared. Study. Write and divide the scripture. And again, our job is to help people. Let our love be greater than our criticism. That's the second thing. 
Let our love be greater than our criticism. Church, the Western church, has been really, really good at criticizing, but we've been really poor about loving. Right? Is that right? For instance, let me give you something very easy. I was, again, privileged to know this privilege. But I was privileged to be in a situation one time where I saw the heart of this church that I was a part of at the moment. It was asked about giving groceries to somebody that was in need. And uh, you would have thought we were asking for them to sell their house. We're talking about at that time, a bag of groceries might have cost $25. You might carry a bag of, a bag of uh, potato chips, a loaf of bread, and a pack of bologna out for $25 a day. Amen? But we're talking about probably $25 or $30 for a bag of groceries at that time. And it was real It was real obvious when they began to talk about it that love was not the driving force. What's it going to do for the church? And how do we, we don't even know this lady. What's her life like? She might be, she might be doing a bunch of bad stuff out there. Here we are going to give her groceries. going to look bad on us. It was kind of the intent. Right? Because that's what was being said. And it was almost a knockdown drag out to spend $25 or $30 to help somebody that was in need. Let me ask you a question. Is it really important if this, if this person that we were going to help that day was a prostitute, if she was a thief, if she was a drug addict, or whatever she was, she's still in need. Amen. And if she needs groceries because she needs to eat, we need to do it, right? No, but here's what you hear. Well, if she quit spending money on them drugs, she'd have money to buy them groceries, so I ain't for it. Or for it, they say. I ain't for it. I'm again. Is that right? And somebody's in heaven with them, amen? Is that right? But we've all been in situations. We know we put ourselves in a situation, but it don't change the situation. She put herself in this situation, but did Jesus say, well, you put yourself in that situation, so come back another day. Is that right? I ain't got time for you. Talk to the hand. He didn't do that. Did he? He understood she put herself in that situation. Look, life's full of choices. Some of the situations you may be in today because you chose to do it. Nobody else made you do that. You chose to do it, or I chose to do it. But it doesn't change the fact that you did it. That you made a mistake. Once you've done it, you can't undo it. My dad taught me that when I was a little bitty kid. You gotta suffer the consequences for it. But what's better? To go up to them and say, look, we talked about it. We know you're starving there. We talked about giving you some groceries, but here's why we didn't do it, because we feel like if you just if you'd have managed your money better, you would have been in a situation where you weren't starving. And here's what we love to say as Christians, but we're gonna be praying for you. <laughs> there that day, they were hungry. 
He fed them first, then he talked to them about their situation, talked to them about getting their life right with him. You got to meet the need. Is that right? You got to meet the need. Our love must be greater than our criticism. Church has been quick to criticize. If Jesus were here today, I think he would say, oh, you hypocrites. You vipers. I think we would also hear him say from time to time, you that look like sepulchers, you're pretty and white on the outside, but inside you like dead men's bones. Is that right? Our churches have become powerless because of our lack of love. We've walked away from power, the true power, which is Jesus. Don't forget why you're here. Right? We're here to get to, to love and to lead and to teach and to encourage. That's why we're here. God don't need little judges. He don't need little juries. He don't need little convictors. He needs people that are passionate, people that care, people that love, people that hurt, people that want somebody to do better. That's what Jesus needs. Again, I'm not saying that if there's a situation that you know about, you shouldn't talk to the person, help the person. But again, it ought to be done out of love and not out of pride. That our love be greater than our criticism. And the third thing we learn from this story is spend more time looking inward than outward. Amen? We should spend more time looking inward than outward. David, I remember David one time, I read in the Bible where David said unto the Lord, he said, search me, O God. Right? Search me. He goes on to say, create in me what? A new heart. How do you get a new heart? Get all the old stuff out of the way. Right? Cleanse me, O God. Right? Cleanse me. David recognized, right, that he was a sinful man. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. God loved him, right? He loved God. But David recognized he was a man. He recognized there was things in his life he needed to get right. You never stop learning, and you never stop getting close to God. None of us, well, look, you, if you're in here today and you hear me, and you're breathing, take a deep breath. You're still living. So you have not arrived. You are not in heaven yet. You're not. We've all got to keep walking. We've all got to keep going. Right? We've got to look in. Let's get this heart right before we worry about that heart. Is that right? Look, I've said this many times. How many of us, when there's an altar call in the church, come to the altar? Now, I'm going to wait to say this because some of y'all just said it. Y'all ready? Well, I don't need to go to the altar preacher because I got no sin in my life. You need to get up right now. Because you just sinned. No, you may not have. I hope not. I hope there's nothing going on in your life right now. But the reality is, you might be tomorrow. It might happen the next day. You might not have been in this parking lot before you do something that's an offense to God. All of us need God. All of us need Jesus. Look, there ain't nobody in here that couldn't get closer to God. There's nobody in here that can stand up and say, no, I'm perfect and I'm righteous and I'm holy. I had a man say that one time in the church room in a Sunday school classroom. He made that statement. He said, I'm perfect. And I thought, dear God. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what he said. And the Sunday school teacher paused and he just moved on. I thought, what? He said, I'm, I'm perfect. Just a haughty attitude. And I thought, well, it's perfect. Then you and your, your definition of perfect. Perfectly sinful or perfectly not sinful. I would say he probably had some issues in his life. Right? Had some issues. So again, I think it's important for us, we've got to look inward rather than outward. Jesus here clearly in his word to us says that we need to get that beam out of our own eye before we get the speck out of our brother's eye. Teaching us to look inward before we look outward. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 24. This is a scripture I quoted the first part of this to you at the very beginning of the service. At least a part of it. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the whole word. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all, them that believe. It's upon all and for all. For there is no difference, right, between <coughs> Greek and Jew, Gentile and Jew. We're all God's children. For all have what? 
sin and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The only way that you and I here today, super Christian, the only way that you are saved and holier than thou is through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's nothing that you've done. It's not about how well you dress. It's not about how good you smell. It's not about how many scriptures you can quote or not quote. It's not about how many offices you've held in the church. It's not about any of those things. The only way that you and I are righteous and justified is through the blood of Jesus Christ. So all of us should be very humble and very gracious. Amen? I'm asking you today, consider that before you pass judgment on another soul. Amen? Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? Be sure that we are following the command of Christ not the command of pressure of somebody else or of our own pride. Look inward and not outward. Right? Make sure that we got things right here before we work on anything out here. Again, I'm not saying that our job as teachers and preachers and lay people is not to reach out to people that are in sin and talk to them about that sin and help them right through that situation. We should. That's what we are disciples of Christ. But do it like Jesus did. Amen? Do it like Jesus did. There's a whole lot of scripture in there that talks about his love to people. Just like this one here in John chapter 8. He could have handled that a whole lot different than what he did. He very well could have passed judgment on this woman because he was the high priest. See, right here, one thing you don't see is, and I'm going to hush here, I'm going to close. These Pharisees and Sadducees knew that if he did not say what the law said that they could give him then because he, he was lying or he was he was going to interpret or judge the way he thought so rather than what the Bible says. They also thought, well, if he goes against that, he, or if he goes with it rather, and he says, yep, I command her to be stoned, that under Roman law, he would have been troubled because nobody under Roman law could pass judgment or sentence like that except to be somebody in Roman authority. So they were going to get Jesus had he done that, had he said, yes, stoner. Because you couldn't do that without it first going through them and their little trials and things that they go through. But the reality was Jesus did have all authority and he could have done it. He has all authority. He is the high priest. Is that right? So it was in his authority to pass judgment on her. It was certainly within his authority to consider the scriptures and say what he wanted to say. So all I'm saying to you today again is, is trust Jesus. Follow him. Because man will cloud your vision, he will cloud your mind, he'll have you all twisted up. Go to Jesus. Amen. Because after all, if you're talking to a true child of God, that's what they're going to tell you. Have you talked to Jesus? Have you considered what his word says? Have you prayed about it? Have you asked him? Right? If he starts out with, well, let me tell you what I think you should do. Let me, as your pastor, say to you, let me tell you what I think you should do. Get away from that person. Amen? But if it starts out with, let's see what the scripture says. Let's pray about it. And he talked to the Lord. Y'all with me? It should always be pointed back to Christ. Because he's the only one that gives life and takes life. Your mama isn't. Because I was told it all my life. Brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Jesus is the only one, right, that has the right to pass judgment on life, only him. And he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? That good? And now that everybody's beat down really bad, we're going to open the altar up. It really was intended just to let you know, I think it's important for us to understand the Bible and understand the Word of God and know what thus says the Lord. And understand that our job is to lead people to Christ Amen. and to help them, right? If they have fallen away, it is our job to restore them. But to restore it in love 
that they will that they too will continue in their walk. I want to pray with you with tight here for just a moment. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. God appreciates it. It's more important that you're here to worship Him. You're not here for me. You're not here for any other reason. You should be here because you want to worship God and you want to be to learn about God right, and to help others. So, but again, good to have you. I pray that the word that has been said to you today will challenge your heart. It really challenged mine. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes us preachers, we kind of get a little prideful and we want to become little Jesuses. We want to go around and we want to straighten everybody out. But the reality is, my heart should be heavy and I should be concerned to the point that I love people. And I should be burdened with their sins and I should want to help them. I should want to lead him to, be, to Jesus the same way to help me. How do you do that? You do that through the word, you do that through prayer, you do that by putting your arms around them, you do that by talking to them, encouraging them, spend as much time with them as you have to. Because there's a lot of counting on the words that come out of my mouth, come out of your mouth. The Bible says that there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Consider that before you open your mouth. Pray. Seek God and be sure that life's coming out. If you're here today and you felt that conviction, it's a good thing. Maybe there is some sin in your life like this lady. Jesus never denied that she was sinning and neither did she. But she went to the one that could fix it. So if you're here today, don't deny your sin. Just fix it. Come and speak to Jesus. Talk to him about it. And then go and send them more. These altars are open for you today. And I want to give just a moment just for those that, that, have, that, maybe, that have never been saved. Or maybe you're here, you've been saved, but you know there's some things in your life that you need to get under the blood. We're going to leave these altars open for just a moment for you. 